love to be here, and I thought that uh, I was just going to be here to get prayed over. I didn't know I was going to get to to preach, but I'm so glad and so honored. I always feel like I'm at home when I'm at open range, and I thank you for your faithfulness to pray for us through the years, and uh, many of you have been asking about our new radio show. I hope you've tuned in every morning, Monday through Friday, 6.30 a.m. to 7, and it's on The Promise here in Shreveport 90.7, and it's a new program that I've launched here called The Conversation, and I don't know if you've listened this week, but I've been on all week long with a Muslim who is an evangelist. He's a, he's, his goal is, try, is to try to convert Christians to Islam and he was my guest all week and at the end here's what he said he said I've never met a Christian like you and I said I said Kershid would you become a Christian would you become a Christian because on the air I asked him the question, have you done enough good deeds to earn Allah's favor and forgiveness? And here's what he said on the air. He said, no, I haven't. He said, I'm praying for a longer life so that I can do more good deeds so that I can go to heaven. And I said, I have a better deal for you. And so, off the air, I said, Kershid, would you become a Christian? And he said, I would become a Christian if I could believe that Jesus really is the Son of God. Would, could we pray for him right now? I mean, what a, wouldn't it be just like Jesus? I want to tell you, if God could save me in a jail cell and God could save some of you because I know some of your stories. If God could save some of you, He could save anybody. If God could save the Apostle Paul who wasn't always the Apostle Paul. He was the Osama bin Laden of his day. He was a terrorist. But God saved him. And I believe that God loves this Muslim man. And I believe God is at work in his heart. And I want us to pray for him. So lift your hands to the Lord. Father, we have faith that you are God. You are the mighty God. And that there is nothing too difficult for you. Lord, you made everything out of nothing by the power of your word. And Lord, you made all people everywhere. You made Kershid Khan. And you did not make him to live a life of emptiness, futility, trying, searching, seeking to obtain something that he will never obtain. 
Lord, I pray that you would remove the scales from his eyes like you did in my life, like you did in so many in this room, like you're going to do tonight in many others. And Lord, I pray you would bring this Muslim man to the foot of the cross. And I pray you'd save him. Lord, he's in Ramadan right now. He's fasting. And Lord, the best he knows how, he's seeking after you. And I pray that you would show up in dreams and visions of Jesus. That he would come to Jesus. And we give you the glory. And I pray, Lord, that in the next few weeks in Ghana, West Africa, that thousands of Muslims and animists would come to the cross. Jesus, we love you. Lift your hands and just say, Lord Jesus, we love you. We love you, Lord. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the only God and there is none beside you. And we worship you tonight. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen and amen. Give the Lord a shout of praise. God is good. You may be seated. I interviewed a, a Jewish rabbi last week. The program's going to be on here in the next couple of weeks. And uh, I asked her, uh, are you looking for the Messiah? And she said, yes, every Jew is looking for the Messiah. And I said, if the Messiah that you're looking for turns out to be Jesus, will that be okay with you? And she said, yes. And I said, what if God has blinded the minds of Israel for a season so that all of us Gentiles could come into the kingdom. And I said, what if God is in the process of removing the blinders so that you can receive Jesus as the Messiah? And you know what she said? She said, the thing that bothers me is the cross. She said, I don't understand why the Messiah would die on the cross. And I said, because He loves you. And because on the cross He was taking all the sins of the world on Himself. And He Himself in His own body on the cross was bearing the sins of the world. And I said, do you remember the passage? We said this on the air. I said, do you remember the passage that you love so dearly in the Hebrew Bible, Isaiah 53? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. I said, who do you think Isaiah is talking about? And she said, well, the Jewish people have suffered greatly. I said, yes, but have, has God made their soul an offering for the sins of the whole world? And she said, that's a very difficult passage to understand. And I said, it's talking about Jesus. And this is what Jesus was doing on the cross. And I said, so if the Messiah who comes back is Jesus, will that be okay with you? And she smiled and said, well, I guess it'll have to be. Amen. <laughs> so pray for this rabbi here in Shreveport. 
and so many other people. I have a Catholic priest that I'm going to be interviewing in the morning. We're going to do four shows and we're going to talk about Catholicism and about Jesus. So pray for this program called The Conversation and tune in every weekday morning 6.30 to 7 on The Promise FM 90.7 and pray for our ministry. Amen. Will you do that? Amen. Take your Bible, turn to Luke chapter number 5. Luke chapter number 5. Now, I want to talk to you tonight about faith. I want to talk to you about faith. Finish these verses with me. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. For we walk by faith and not by sight. For the just shall live by faith. Now let me just be honest with you, all right? I've been saved 38 years now. I walked out of a jail cell 38 years ago. And I've been following Jesus. I've been in the ministry for 36 years. And let me tell you what my experience has been, all right? Can I be honest with you tonight? Most of God's people walk by sight and not by faith. What most of us do is we try to figure out with our minds... We do the very opposite of what the Lord has told us to do many times. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your... In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. But I want to tell you what happens in many of our lives, and I'm not saying this to discourage you. Listen to me. I'm saying this to encourage you. And by the way, I'm just preaching to myself tonight and you're kind of eavesdropping, all right? So I'm, I need this message. I don't know if anybody else does, but I do. What most of us do when we're confronted with, an, with a problem that is bigger than us is we start trying to figure out what to do. We put a pen or pencil to paper and start trying to figure out how we can have enough resources to deal with this issue, or we start trying to manipulate people, circumstances, situations into doing what we think they ought to do. And so as a result, we get a mess. And then we pray, God, I'm in a mess. And the Lord says, I can see that. I, I see that. Help me, Lord. And you know, the Lord is so good that He usually comes and helps us. But I want to save you a lot of heartache. Because there's a lot of heartache when we walk by sight and not by faith. Amen. I mean, God promised Abraham that he was going to be the father of many nations. He promised he was going to give him a son named Isaac. And he said, I'm going to bless your seed and make your seed a blessing to all the nations. And Abraham did everything in his power. And he kept waiting and waiting and waiting and nothing was happening. And so Abraham came up with a plan. He and Sarah said, well, maybe God wants to do it this way. And you know the story. 
Abraham took Hagar, she had Ishmael, and there's been trouble in the Middle East ever since. Amen. Can I help you tonight? With, listen, church, listen to me. Will you let me help you tonight? Whether you're dealing with something in your physical body or whether you're dealing with something in your finances or something in your family that you can't figure it out and you're wondering what in the world is God up to and he is up to something, can I just tell you that... Uh, God's going to keep putting you in circumstance after circumstance after circumstance that is so big that there's no way out of it except to believe him for a miracle so that he can get the glory. So that when people say, how in the world did that happen? You won't say, well, you know, I'm just so smart. I went to a great school, and, you know, I'm a brilliant person, and I figured this out. No, 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 no. So you can say, let me just tell you, I have a secret. His name is Jesus. Amen. And what he did in my life, he wants to do in your life. Amen. Come on now. So this is what Jesus is always trying to teach his disciples both in the first century and in the 21st century. He wants to teach us to live by faith so that we can experience His power in our life, so that God can be real in our life, so that we can have a testimony of the greatness of God. Amen. Come on. There's no testimony without a test. So God keeps putting you in circumstances and here he is in Luke chapter 5 look at it your Bible Luke chapter 5 so it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and he saw two boats standing by the lake but the fishermen had gone from them and they were washing their nets and so he got into one of the boats which was Simon's and he asked him to push out a little from the land and he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. Now do you see what's going on here? There are so many people who want to hear what Jesus has to say and there are so many people that they're literally pressing on him and he's about to fall into the lake. And so he says, you know what, I could take one of those boats and I could use that kind of as a platform and I could launch it out and then I could preach to the people because there's so many here that they're crowding up against the shoreline. Does everybody see this? Now, I don't know what Jesus was talking about that day. Maybe he was talking about faith. Maybe he was talking about that you don't have to worry. I mean, the birds don't worry. The flowers don't worry. These fish are not worrying, maybe Jesus said, because they know that their Father who created them is going to take care of them. And if God loves fish and God loves fowl and God loves flowers, surely God loves you and He'll take care of you. And everybody was clapping and saying, praise God. And the disciples were in the boat with Jesus and they were saying, man, that is the most awesome message. That is so inspiring. It's so powerful. Jesus, what a wonderful word. And then the sermon was over. And Jesus looked at the disciples, and look what he says. Here comes the test, all right? 
When he had stopped speaking in verse number 4, he said to Simon, Simon, since you and I are here in your boat, why don't you launch out into the deep and let down your, what's the next word if you have the right Bible? Nets. Is the word nets plural or singular? It's plural. And in the Greek New Testament, by the way, it's plural. Let down your, say it, nets, plural. In other words, all these nets that you've got coiled up over here in the boat, I want you to take all those nets that you've just coiled up and washed and put away, I want you to launch this boat out into the deep and get all those nets and launch them out. Look at this. Let down your nets for a catch. Now, listen to me. That's how faith always starts. Now listen, I want to help you. Faith always begins with a word from God. God speaks to you about something. All right? Now, let me just tell you this. You know I was a Baptist for a long time, and I love the Baptist, and I thank God for the Baptist. Everybody say, thank God for the Baptist. I mean, we love the Baptist. I interviewed a Baptist pastor today on my radio show. I love the Baptist. Thank God for the Baptist. However, There are some Baptists who believe that God wrote a book and then went mute. That God only speaks through the pages of the Bible. And that's it. Now, now listen to me. God does speak through this book. Amen? Really what God does, God speaks to you through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit causes the, this book to become more than a book. God, God causes this to become more than black ink or red ink in my Bible on white paper. What the Holy Spirit does is he, he causes this to become a personal word. Some people call it a rhema word. When God speaks to you. I'm not talking about you grabbing a verse. I'm talking about a verse grabbing you. Amen? That's why you've got to be in the word every day, by the way. Listen to me, you have to, if you're serious about following Jesus and living by faith and pleasing the Lord, then you have to spend time every day in the Word of God. Amen? Come on now, amen. You've got to spend time in the Word of God. Because faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of God. So the Holy Spirit speaks through the Word of God, but that's not the only way the Holy Spirit speaks. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will speak to you through a dream. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will speak to you just in your spirit. You'll just be driving down the road, and you'll be thinking about something and praying about something, and the Holy Spirit will say, here's what I want you to do. Now, when the Holy Spirit does that, it will never contradict what's in the written Word. So if you're driving down the road and you think you hear the Holy Spirit saying uh, it's time for you to leave your husband, that's not the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> Unless he's abusing you, beating you, cheating on you, then that's not 
out of alignment with what the Bible teaches. So the Holy Spirit speaks to you in the Bible. The Holy Spirit speaks to you in visions. The Holy Spirit speaks to you in dreams. The Holy Spirit speaks directly to your spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks through gifted people in the body of Christ who are trusted, who might say to you something like, you know, I've been praying for you, and I feel like the Lord wants me to say to you. And then you have to discern that. Sometimes that's called a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge or a word of prophecy. The Holy Spirit speaks through other gifts of the Spirit like tongues and interpretation of tongues collectively. You see, listen to me. God does everything today that He ever did. Amen. So, faith always starts with a word from God. Jesus said... I want you to do something, Peter. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take all those nets. I want you to launch this boat right out there into the deep. I want you to take all these nets, and I want you to cast them into the sea. And if you will obey me and trust me, I'm going to give you the biggest haul you've ever had. Now, let me tell you another thing about faith. Most of the time, faith, in terms of the natural is the dumbest thing you've ever heard in your life. It goes against everything that you would think would be the thing to do in the natural. For example, verse 5, but, there's our problem, all the big buts in the Bible, amen. But, Simon answered and said to him, now Lord, you are without a doubt the greatest preacher. I mean, Lord, I've been listening to preaching since I was a kid. And I, there's nobody that can preach like John the Baptist was good. But I'm telling you, Lord, you are the greatest preacher. And you have more insight and more wisdom than anybody. And Lord, that sermon you just preached about faith, that might have been the best sermon. I mean, Lord, that's the greatest sermon maybe I've ever heard in my life. But here's what you don't understand, Lord. You ever tried to tell the Lord what he doesn't understand about your circumstance? Lord, here's what you don't understand. Now, you grew up, and your stepdaddy, Joseph, your earthly... Now, he was a carpenter, and you grew up in a carpenter shop. And Lord, I know that you know how to make houses, and you know how to make yokes, and you know how to make all the things that carpenters make. But Lord, you see, here's the thing. I'm a fisherman. My daddy was a fisherman. My grandpa was a fisherman. Everybody, my cousins, we're in the fishing business, Lord. And here's what you don't understand. Number one, Lord... It's in the heat of the day. The fish are all on the bottom. Our nets won't go down there where they are. And so, Lord, when you go fishing like we go fishing, you do it at night. Because at night the fish come up and they're feeding and we can get our nets and scoop up all those fish. And, Lord, here's the deal. We, we've been fishing all night long. And Lord, this, this place is fished. There's no fish left because we have fished all night and we haven't caught a cold. I mean, we haven't caught no thing. There's no fish in there. You know what? Have you ever thought that it was a good thing that Jesus called Peter into the ministry because he was going to go broke being a fisherman, amen? Because in the Bible, he never caught anything. He was terrible at being a fisherman. 
So Lord, I know you are a great preacher and you have all this wisdom and you're a wonderful faith teacher, but Lord, you're a carpenter and I'm a fisherman and you don't fish during the day, you fish at night. And we've already fished all night and we've caught nothing, but you are the Lord. And you can't say, no, Lord. Have you ever thought about that? If he's Lord, you can't say no. No and Lord don't go together. So he doesn't say no, Lord, but here's what he does. He obeys the Lord with qualifications. And this is what most of us do. Most of us, listen to me. The Lord tells us to do something, and we hear the Lord either in the Bible or in a dream or somebody gives us a word and we know it's God or God just speaks to us while we're just carrying on the everyday affairs of our life, and we know it's God. Listen to me. When God speaks to you, you know it's God. My sheep hear my voice, and they know me. So if you're saved... When you got saved, God gave you spiritual ears and spiritual eyes and a spiritual heart. Amen. And you know when God speaks to you. You know when your dad speaks to you. But most of the time, it seems so opposite of what we want to do. We don't hardly have any money. And the Lord tells us to take what little money we have and give it away to somebody. Now that doesn't make any sense. Amen. Somebody is really mean to us, and the Lord speaks to us and says, I want you to bless them, do something nice for them. I want you to reach out, and we just, we want to reach out and touch them, but it's not the way the Lord is telling us. We want to lay hands on them, amen, repeatedly. And with great power, amen. But the Lord says, I want you to forgive them. And we have a crisis of belief. Is everybody still with me? Come on, amen. It's like God sometimes comes to us and taps us on the shoulder and invites us to dance. But we say, Lord, I don't know how to dance. And I don't like the way when I dance like that, I don't like the way that dance makes me look. People might think I'm crazy dancing like that with you. And so we have a crisis of belief. And what we do in the crisis of belief determines whether or not we experience God or whether or not we get ourselves in another mess. So Peter said, Lord, I'm going to obey you, but here's what I'm going to do. We've toiled all night, verse 5, and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the, what's the next word? Not if you got the right Bible. And there's the problem. Jesus said, Peter, I want you to let down all the nets and you'll get a great catch. And Peter said, that does not make any sense. But I'm going to obey you because you're the Lord. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my little toe in the water. I'm not going to jump in all the way. Because number one, all the guys that work for me and with me are going to think I'm crazy. 
because this is not the way you fish or when you fish or how you fish. So I'm going to take one net and I'm going to throw it out there. And we'll see what happens. And look what happens. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Now listen to me. When God tells you to do something, He wants you to do it when He says do it, how He says do it, the way He says do it, because you see, and when He says do it, because delayed obedience is disobedience. And it leads to consequences. So, faith says trust me completely. There are some of you in this room, you've been thinking about getting saved for the last 10 years. And you come to church and pastor says, when are you going to give your heart to Jesus? And you say, well, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. And Jesus is saying, lay it all down. Cast out all the nets. Lay anything down. That's keeping you from me. And completely and totally and wholeheartedly surrender your life to me. And Peter says, Lord, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to let down one net. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a reservation, a question mark in my obedience. And when he does that, there were so many fish in that net that the net began to break. Look at this. And then verse 7 so Peter signals to his partners in the other boat and says, come help me, help me. Because now the boat is beginning to sink under the weight of the net. And they came and filled up both boats so that they began to sink. And you would have thought that Peter would have said, whoopee! Man, I'm going to make more money. I hadn't been catching anything, but look at this. This is the greatest haul I've ever had. This is incredible. Oh, thank you, Jesus. But he doesn't do that, does he? He falls down at Jesus' knees. Look at it in verse 8. And he says, Lord, forgive me. Lord, just, you can find somebody better than me. Lord, I didn't believe you. I didn't trust you. I didn't obey you. Lord, I, I'm not cut out for this faith life. Have you ever felt that way? Come on, man. Have you ever obeyed God about halfway? And God blessed you anyway. And then you thought, man, if I would have just completely and totally obeyed God. God, I'm so sorry. Why didn't I let down all the nets? And Peter says, Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinful man. And he was right because the root of sin is unbelief. That's really what sin is. Whatever is not of faith is sin. And Peter said, Lord, I'm a sinful man. 
For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were in partnership with Simon. And Jesus, look what he says. He says, Simon, don't be afraid. See, now listen to me and I'm done. That's the real issue right there. The reason you won't do what Jesus told you to do is because you're afraid. You know what I'm talking about. You know what the Lord told you to do. And you haven't done it yet. And the reason is, is because you're afraid. You're afraid that the Lord won't come through. Some of you, the reason you haven't gotten saved is because you think God's going to rip you off. That's why you won't give your heart to Jesus, because you think if you do, that God will ruin your life. You think if you totally sell out to Jesus that he'll back a U-Haul trailer up to your heart and take everything you got. Some of you young people, you think God's going to give you greasy hair and zits and make you wear polyester pants to school and you're going to have to go to Africa and get eaten up by cannibals. I mean, I don't know what you're afraid of. But I want to challenge you that there is no life like a life of total, complete abandonment to the purposes of Jesus Christ. The just shall live by faith. Amen. Jesus said, son, don't be afraid. Don't let your failure and your fear keep you from what I have for you. As a matter of fact, Peter, from now on, I want you to follow me. Don't be afraid. Look at verse 10. From now on, you're going to catch men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. And on the day of Pentecost, this big fisherman who was not perfect, he was not perfect, and this would not be the last time that he would fall down at Jesus' feet and weep and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I messed up again. And listen to me, there's not one person in this room who bats a thousand. There's nobody in this room who always obeys God perfectly every time. But don't you let the devil intimidate you and lie to you and make you think, well, you're a failure and you'll never be what God wants you to be and you'll never experience all that God has for you to experience. Listen, it doesn't matter how bad you've blown it, how bad you've messed up. If you mess up, fess up and get up and follow Jesus. Amen. God's not through with you. On the day of Pentecost, this big fisherman stood up full of the Holy Ghost and cast the gospel net into a sea of humanity. And when he pulled it in, there were 3,000 souls. He learned to fish for men. Amen. 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 God's not done with you. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to trust God. Don't be afraid of failure. Don't be afraid that God will not be able to accomplish what he says he can accomplish. Just, listen, church, trust God. Believe God. 
If God's told you he's going to heal you, then you trust God to heal you. God's told you he's going to save your kids, then you trust God to save your kids. I told you this time last year, and I ask you to pray for me because our son, our oldest son, Dylan, was so far away from God. And I haven't been back in time to tell you the rest of the story. We've been praying for our son and praying for our son. And he got arrested. And he called and said, Dad, I got arrested. I was smoking dope in a park. And I said, sin makes you stupid, doesn't it, son? He said, can you come get me out? And I said, I'll come. And I was so praying. Gene and I were praying that this would be the time when he would say, Dad, I've just just messed up. I'm sorry. But he began to blame the police officer. And he began to say, well, it's not my fault, Dad. And it's just a little bit of weed. And everybody does it. And what's wrong? He did not see that God was trying to break through to him. I said, okay, son, I love you. I'm praying for you. This is really, I mean, you, what you're really searching for is Jesus. You know, you've been hearing this all your life. And he said, yeah, I know, Dad. And he just kept on and kept on. And our son, Dylan, began to live a homosexual lifestyle. began to dabble in the occult. I mean, here I'm a preacher. And I'm traveling all over America. And I'm standing up and seeing all these young people come to Jesus, and then I go home, or I go to the hotel at night, and the devil wakes me up in the middle of the night and laughs at me and says, you're wasting your life. You, your, your wife's going to get bitter and you're away from your family and your own son doesn't love God. This is ridiculous. And I get on my knees and say, God, help me. Lord, I'm trying to do what you've called me to do. And this is bigger than me, Lord, but I'm trusting you. Because you promised you and your household will be saved. And I think it was about that time I came here and I asked you. My heart was so heavy it was about to break. And I have to be honest, my wife began to be tempted to be angry with God. And I'd never seen her like that before. But I want to tell you, man, when the devil attacks, he goes after your kids. Listen, the devil is dirty. He plays dirty. So my wife and I would hold each other in the middle of the night and cry. Say, Lord, don't forget us. Lord, I'm seeing everybody else's kids saved. Lord, what about my son? Don't forget me, Lord. And Dylan got arrested again. He called me from the jail and said, Dad, can you come get me out? And the Holy Spirit said, don't you go get him out. You leave him in there. I'm working on him. And I wanted, I mean, that's my son. And I wanted with everything in me, I wanted to go get him out. I don't want my son to be in that circumstance. The Holy Spirit of God says, you leave him in there. 
And Gina said, are you going to go get Bill? And I said, I can't. God won't let me. We got our family together and we began to pray. And later on, my son was released. He got into some kind of program. And he called me. And he said, Dad, I'm out. Could you just come get me? And I said, I'll come get you, Mom and I and Maddie and Josh. You know my son Josh, he's serving at a church this summer. Called to the ministry, loves Jesus, preaching. Dynamic young man. My daughter Maddie, 16 years old, standing in front of hundreds of people and leads worship and loves God with all of her heart. My oldest daughter, Sarah, teaches at First Baptist Church in Dallas in their academy. She and her husband love Jesus with all their heart. And here's Dylan. And he said, Dad, could you just come get me? And I said, you know, it's about lunchtime, so Mom and I are going to come, and Josh and Maddie are there, and we'll pick you up, and we'll go get something to eat. And so we picked him up and we went to a restaurant. I'll never forget it. We went outside in an area at a Mediterranean restaurant and we ordered our food and nobody really said much. And they brought the food and Dylan put his head down and he began to shake. And Dylan never cried. He had become so cynical and so hard-hearted and so distant and so dark and he began to weep and he began to shake. And he said, Dad, I'm so lost. Dad, I thought I had everything figured out in life and I thought you and Mom were so stupid. But Dad, I'm so lost. I need Jesus. And I looked over, and Maddie was weeping, and Josh was weeping, and Gina had her head bowed, and she was just lifting her hands, and we all pushed our food away. And I said, son, would you, do you want to call on the name of the Lord to be saved? He said, yes. I said, son, can you say Jesus is Lord? I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. I said, can you say Jesus is Lord? And he couldn't say it. And I said, son, are you involved in the occult? He said, yes. And I said, son, do you have things in your room right now that are not right and that are dark? And he said, yes. And we knew because nobody wanted to be around Dylan or Dylan's room. It was just a dark, dark place. And I said, son, would you be willing to go right now and get all that junk out and throw it away so that you could be free? And he said, yes, sir. And so I said, let's go. I paid the bill. We never even touched our food. We went home. And Maddie, my 16-year-old, full of the Holy Ghost, she got some trash bags. And she said, I'm not afraid of no devil. Amen. And she marched in that room. And Dylan and her went in and took out two big garbage 
pails of junk and took them out and put them on the curb. And I said, son, are you ready now to say Jesus is Lord? He dropped to his knees, lifted his hands in the air and said, Jesus is Lord. He asked the Lord to save him. Listen to me. That was almost a year ago. My son is a different man. I walk into the kitchen now, and my son is reading the Bible, drinking coffee. He said, Dad, have you ever read this verse? I said, yeah, Dad, I've read it. And he said, Dad, this is so powerful. And now he's got testimonies of answers to prayer. He's back in college. God gave him a job. God's answering prayers in his life. He's living for Jesus. Don't you give up. Don't you give up. And don't you be afraid. God is for you he's not against you amen and even Jesus had to live by faith you ever thought about that he's in the garden of Gethsemane he's learning to obey his father by the things that he's suffering that's what the Bible says because though he is infinite God, he is the eternal son of God. He has laid aside the external prerogatives of his deity and joined to his divine nature a perfect sinless human nature. But as a man, he submitted himself to the will of his father. He never did one thing that his father did not show him to do. And now the ultimate test has come. And the father is saying, son, I want you to launch out into the deep and I want you to let down all the nets and I'll give you a catch, son, if you will obey me. And he says, daddy, is there any other way? Is there any other way? He's wrestling. His capillaries burst and through his sweat glands come drops of sweat as he wrestles with the will of his father for his life. He says, Lord, is there any way to let this cup... Now, I've drunk so many other cups, but Father, is there any way to let this cup pass? Because there's shame in the cup, and there's suffering in the cup, and there's separation in the cup, and there's sin in the cup. And Lord, I've never tasted sin. Father, I've never tasted sin. I've never known what it was like in my darkest hours. You've always been there, and the Holy Spirit has always been upon me. But if I obey you, Father, I'm going to be cut off from you. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And as a man... He surrendered himself to be beaten and spat upon, to have his beard ripped out. But more, that's really not what the cross was about. It was so much more than the physical suffering because many people have suffered worse physically than what Jesus endured that day. You know what the real meaning of the cross is? For the first time throughout all eternity, God made His Son's soul an offering for our sin, and the one who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could be made right with God. And Jesus, listen to me, for the joy that was set before Him, it was almost like the cross was transparent and He could look by faith, by faith. Jesus looked through the cross to the other side. And for the joy that was set before him, 
He endured the cross. He despised the shame. He laid his life down, believing that if he would lay his life down, his father would raise him up from the dead three days later. And the father did not let Jesus down. And the father will never let you down either. Amen. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed all over this place. How many of you are in a crisis of belief right now? How many of you, listen, you're up against something right now that is bigger than you. It scares you. You don't know how to handle it. You cannot figure it out. And you need faith to meet this challenge. If that's you, lift your hand up in the air. If that's you, lift your hand. I want everybody with their hand lifted up to get up out of your seat as an act of faith and come right down here to this altar right now. Come on, right now. Come on. As an act of faith, you say, why do I need to get down there? Well, why did, you, why did Peter need to take the nets and throw them in the water? Why did the man with the withered hand need to stretch out his hand? Why did the lame man need to pick up his bed? There's an act of faith. And what this is, is an act of faith. It's saying, Lord, this is bigger than me, but it's not bigger than you. It might be a physical problem. Is there anybody in this room, you're sick, God has told you that he's going to heal you, and you've been struggling with whether or not God's really going to heal you, and you're afraid. If that's you, get up and come on right now. Get up and come on. God wants to heal you tonight. Is there anybody in this room, your kids are away from God, but God has told you, I'm going to save your kids, and the devil's been lying to you, and your faith is wavering, but tonight God has spoken to you. If that's you, get up and come on right now. Somebody in this room, God has told you what to do. And you've been deciding whether or not you're going to obey God or not. And God's spoken to you tonight. Get up and come. And most of all, is there anybody here that needs to be saved? You're afraid. You say, can God save me? I feel so dirty. I feel so sinful. Listen, the empty tomb means that no matter who you are or what you've done, there's hope for you, there's forgiveness for you. Is there someone here who's been struggling with an addiction? And God has spoken to you tonight saying, I'm going to set you free from that. Get up and come right now. Come on, man, don't you be ashamed. Don't you be afraid. And don't you be afraid of failure. You say, well, I fished all night. I've tried it before. And nothing came out of it. Oh, but this is different because this is what God's going to do. God's going to set you free tonight. He'll do for you what no rehab can do. What no 12-step program can do. God will do it tonight. Come on, get up and come. Right now, in the name of Jesus, get up. Get up and come then I want all of us very quietly and very reverently to stand all over this room. And I want all of you who are standing
to extend a hand toward these who have come with many needs. And I want you to begin to pray. I wish there was room. I feel like Jesus was pressed. And it doesn't feel like there's a lot of room. But if God speaks to you and tells you to come and pray for someone, why don't you come right now? But all of us, I think, can stretch out a hand and begin to pray for our friends, pray for our church family members who are struggling. They've humbled themselves. They've come. As an act of faith, they're saying, Lord, it's bigger than me, but it's not bigger than you. And then I need three or four pastors, ministers, to come and just begin to lay hands on these, begin to pray for them, pray for divine healing, supernatural breakthroughs, miracles, pray for family members. Just come help me because we're going to minister to these people. And Skeeter, I want you just to begin to sing over these people as the Lord leads while we minister to people in the name of Jesus. If you pray in the Holy Ghost, I want you to use your prayer language and begin to pray spiritual warfare. I want you to pray. Just begin to pray as we minister to people who have come tonight in the name of Jesus. Come on, sing it, brother. Oh, I surrender all to Jesus. I surrender, I surrender all. I surrender all. God to heal you. I need some folks who will believe God to come and pray for this lady. Come on right now. I need some folks who will believe God to just come and lay hands in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. All those who need healing, just lift your hand up. If you see a hand, I want you to go and just begin to pray. Join your faith with their faith and begin to pray. How many of you have family members who are away from God? Let me see your hands all over this place. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are not gonna let the devil devour our kids. Father, we ask you through the blood of Jesus to cover our household. Lord, you said we would be saved and our household. And you're a covenant-keeping God. 
Father, what you did in my son's life, I pray you would do in the lives of sons and daughters and grandchildren. Lord, give us faith to believe you. Father, I pray for those here tonight who are facing financial difficulties and mountains that they cannot seem to move. They don't have an answer. But Lord, they're coming tonight as an act of faith to say, I believe you, Lord. I believe you, Lord. Then, Father, I pray for those who have come to say, I need Jesus. I need to give my heart to Jesus. Listen, if you're here tonight and you're standing next to someone and you know they're not saved, reach down, take them by the hand and say, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. Tonight's the night. And you bring them to Jesus. Just bring them to Jesus. Just like that. That's right. Just bring them to Jesus. And there'll be someone here to pray for you. Someone here to meet you, to introduce you to Jesus. Just come as an act of faith. Just let down all the nets. Lay down anything that's keeping you from Jesus. And just come to him tonight. He loves you. Lord, we ask you to meet every need in Jesus' name. Come on, lift your hands, church. And let's sing. Let's worship God. Come on, buddy, sing it. matter to me what other people say it doesn't matter to me what I feel I'm not gonna live by my feelings anymore I'm not gonna live by the opinions of other people just tell the Lord that listen that is a sin you understand when you live and you're more concerned about what your family thinks than what God has told you to do that's sin obey God if it hair lips everybody Obey God. 
I want to tell you what kept me for a long time from receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was afraid I would lose my ministry. Thank you, Lord. I was afraid what my wife's family would think because they were all big time Baptist preachers. I was afraid that doors would close and that I wouldn't have any place to preach. Can I tell you, listen to me, my wife's family is hungry for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God has opened doors I never dreamt of. I'll be in Alexandria this fall in the football stadium. All the Baptist churches have come and said, we want to be in this crusade. Over 60 churches, all the denominations have come together. They're saying, we're going to be there supporting the crusade. Listen, God is not going to deny you anything. He's not going to withhold. If He gave His Son, is there anything He wouldn't give? If you'll just believe Him, healing is yours tonight. Forgiveness is yours tonight. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is yours tonight. Blessing, abundance is yours tonight. If you'll just believe God, Listen to me. God is a good God. God wants to give you a net-breaking, boat-sinking miracle. If you'll just believe Him. If you'll just believe Him. So, Father, I pray tonight that faith would rise, that we'd go to a new level And we wouldn't be afraid of the devil. We wouldn't be afraid of the opinions of other people. We wouldn't be afraid of failure. We wouldn't live by our feelings or by our circumstances. You are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Jehovah Rapha, you're our healer. You're everything we need, you're I am. Lord, we want to walk by faith. Just say that, Lord, I want to walk by faith and not by sight. In Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord a shout. Give the Lord a shout.